Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. It's great to see you. It is great to see you as well, Chris. And this is a fun topic today. It is. And I think it's a great follow-up. Last week, fascinating discussion. Great job ex- explaining, discussing calming supplements. If you've not listened to that episode, please go back. It, it it was a fascinating discussion on on these, you know, herbs and nutraceuticals. And today talking about moody mares, which I've dealt with quite a lot in my career, you know, especially with all the repro work I was doing, I guess just to start, kick this off, you know, we all have our opinions of what we consider to be a moody mare, but what would you, because again, you're coming through with the nutritionist lens and looking at diet and, and all the things we can do for them. So what do you consider to be a moody mare? Well, Chris, I'm kind of a gelding person, but yeah. <laughs> no, a lot of us um, are, to be honest. <laughs> no, so I, I work with, you know, customers all the time. And one of the things that definitely comes up is mares that are displaying behaviors that would be considered undesirable. And they run the gamut, right? From like, oh, she's just a little bit grumpy to squealing, biting, kicking, like flat out being dangerous. Um, or even, you know, on the flip side, being more nervous or anxious. It's it's a range of behaviors. But I, I would say anything outside of perfectly pleasant, a lot of times gets characterized as a moody mare, whether that's right or wrong, or has anything to do with the fact that she is a mare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, it, you know, and I, I kind of laughed because any type of riding horse, it just seems like the geldings are just the easiest to work with. But, you know, in the breeding shed and and, and managing uh, brood mares, you definitely see a lot of this behavior. So it, this could be a fun discussion. But what some what are some of the factors that are going to cause a mare to, to get quote unquote moody? So I'd say... Anything that's a negative behavior often gets attributed to a mare being a mare. So you have all of these things that might have nothing to do with the fact that she's a mare. She might have ulcers and underlying lameness. She might not like the job that she's doing or have a saddle that doesn't fit, or maybe your management isn't the right fit. You know, horses have a range of what they consider acceptable turnout and one horse is fine with an hour a day and another, if it's anything less than 24 seven on 20 acres is miserable. So let's say that you've completely eliminated all of those being the underlying cause of negative behavior in a mare. And If we've eliminated those, I am going to actually ask you, Chris, because you're the reproductive specialist, to kind of give us that basis in understanding a marriage cycle, because I think that's a great way to ground the discussion on true reproductive, quote unquote, moody issues in marriage. So can you just give us Repro 101? Yeah. Okay, really quick. And and I've ridden plenty of mares that are amazing, amazing horses uh, to ride and train. It's just when they get into that breeding season, right? That's where things change because it's, it's physiology. And underlying this mare is normally wonderful, pleasant, sweet, uh, easy to, to, to work with. And then a few times 
a month. It's just they're they're very difficult. They are irritable, pinning ears, things like that. And basically, that's just the reproductive cycle. With horses, horses are seasonal breeders, so generally late winter, early spring depends on where you are. In, you know, in the United States, it's daylight driven. the The estrus cycle is going to drive some of this behavior. So basically, the estrus cycle is twenty one days. So every twenty one days, I would say from March to August, if if she's not a brood mare, if this is a mare that you're training. Uh, every 21 days, for about four to seven of those days, she's going to have estrus-like behavior. And it's not her fault. It's it's estrogen is driving that change in her where it's telling her, okay, you're ready to, to, to breed a stallion. Look for that stallion. So she's distracted. You know, she's, her body's telling her, look, you want to have a foal, go look for a mate. And so that is where I think they get challenging to handle and in in not a broodmare situation. I'm talking, you're going to a competition. You need to load her up in a trailer. You need to take her to that competition for how many days, or if it's just a day and keep her focused, but her body or brain's telling her, Oh, he's cute. Or, Oh, where's the male? You know? And, and, and that's where you run into it. Right. Right. I mean, isn't that what, what, what people experience? So that's just the basics. And that could be a whole, you know, hour long discussion on the, the physiology of it. But yeah, it's just when I was teaching repro, I just said estrogen is such a powerful hormone that it drives uh, so many changes in these horses. And and some of those changes, correct me if I'm wrong, like some of the things people experience would be the horses feel tight in their backs or maybe even uncomfortable. That's because of underlying physiological changes, right, that are like happening through the ovulation and their, you know, changes like that actually cause some of those physical behaviors, correct? Yeah, their 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 reproductive track is is gearing up to be bred to hopefully carry a foal, right? So there are there are some internal changes going on that could be a little uncomfortable for her sometimes, you know, with some uterine contractions we see. So all of these things can make her distracted, right? She's like, I don't want to be here at this show. I, you know, put me out to pasture with somebody so I can, you know, gallop around and stuff. So yeah, you see it all the time. You see it all the time during the breeding season. Okay. So one other thing, now I'm interviewing you, by the way, this is, we've just flipped the tables, Chris. So one other thing that often comes up is those transitional estresses, like her first heat of the year often seems Mm -hmm. more of an issue behaviorally. Is there an underlying reason to that? Or do we like forget over the winter what it's like? And it seems worse for us the first (laughs) time it happens to her. Well, it, it's it's they're really erratic um, because again, it's it's daylight driven. So during the winter, melatonin uh, suppresses the estrus uh, cycle in in mares and even stallions to an extent. So libido goes down, things like that. In the spring transition, their cycle is erratic. So she might get big follicles that could be a little uncomfortable or. Uh, you know, things all of a sudden one day she's like in super heat and the next day there's no heat. It's just a time of really erratic. So 
in a normal estrus cycle, there's re- usually a, a gradual, you know, it's over a couple days. It's not uh, a week long gradual buildup, but a couple day buildup of estrogen and then, you know, a day or two before it, it goes away. So in that transitional phase, I think there's just, it could be a little bit of confusion in her. You know, one day it's normal and the next day she's like, oh gosh, where's the boys? The next day she's hateful of the boys. Don't look at me, you know, don't touch me. So <laughs> yeah, there's just, it is very erratic. The cycle's very erratic uh, in the transition. So I definitely believe in, and have seen, you know, changes in behavior from one day to the next. Hmm. Super interesting. Well, thank you for that. We appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. No problem. No problem. No problem. You know, and then, I mean, just to throw in another thing too, if you're dealing with broodmares specifically, is when they foal, you know, some mares are very defensive of their foals. Very, very, very defensive. I've had a couple close calls with some very aggressive mares with their babies. And other mares are, are pretty tolerant of human presence uh, with that. So just be, be careful of that. That is, a you know, a, an ingrained behavior in her. That's her baby. She's like any of us that are parents. It's, you know, you want to defend your, your offspring. So be always be wary of that. And then if, if you don't know, there is a full heat. So within a couple of weeks after giving birth, she's ready to be bred again. So a, that estrus behavior where... You know, she's more interested in finding a mate, you know, the males and less uh, in training, things like that. So they cycle relatively quickly after giving birth. So with all that said, and, and again, we, again, our focus is on nutrition a little bit. How, you know, you, you, you said you, you have owners calling you about this and, and it is tricky, you know, dealing with training, things like that. But nutritionally, is there anything we can do to help them? Last week we talked about calming supplements. So I don't know, is there, is there anything in the diet that we can alter or what we feed them during these, these periods to, to make them less, I don't want to say moody or high strung sometimes? Ah, great question. So unfortunately, as much as we would love for nutrition to be the solution to everything, you know, just kind of like with our calming supplements, there's supplements out there for moody mares, can't really find anything to support a um, scientific basis or, you know, data driven use for those. So unfortunately, that research just doesn't seem to exist. Um, anecdotally, some people think they work, some people think they don't. Um, unfortunately, from the supplement side, you know, we just can't really say with any real confidence that any of this stuff does anything other than, you know, cost money. I will say, you know, the fundamentals of nutrition, regardless, low NSC diet, all of those things that we talk about, never a bad idea. Again, kind of taking away that component of things. Certainly when we talk, anytime we talk about mares, the the idea of soy and phytoestrogens seems to come up and we've done whole podcasts on that before. You know, the research does show that phytoestrogens can impact um, actual some of the fertility and estrus measures. On the same token, I don't think there's anything to support them altering behavior in performance horses. But the thing you have to remember is that research fed crazy high amounts of phytoestrogens far above what would be included in, you know, a commercial feed that has soy products in it. They had to feed hyper 
amounts of it to see that. The only time I really see things like inappropriate lactation, for example, would be on those extreme diets of like a horse who's grazing a pasture that's 100% clover. Because one thing that we tend to forget is soy is not the only source of phytoestrogens in the horse's diet. Legumes are as well. And if a horse is eating tons and tons of clover, we can sometimes see that come up. Now, I've definitely had people switch to soy-free diets and they think it makes a difference. Again, anecdote. The one thing I will say if we're going to go that direction, I, you don't have to feed a horse soy. The challenge you run into is most commercial products that are well-fortified, balanced, etc. do have soy protein and other soy products as a base. Oftentimes, soy-free products, their only redeeming quality is that they are soy-free. They're not necessarily nutritionally balanced, all of those fun things. So if you're going to go down that route, you just need to make sure that fundamentally that mare's nutrition is not suffering by taking away soy because that's the only thing we're focused on. If you get hyper-focused on soy and not think about the total diet, you can create some issues. So from that perspective, I've definitely formulated some feeds that within the tribute line have all of the same attributes. They just don't contain soy. Uh, Soy-free Calm and Easy would be one example and the entire Wholesome Blends line. So I think that's something, again, as long as we do it in a manner that we keep the fundamental nutrition, amino acids, trace minerals, vitamins, balance of calories, and take out soy. That's something you can certainly try from a nutritional standpoint. But again, there isn't necessarily um, strong data to support that it's going to make a difference in every quote unquote moody mare. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it, whenever I, 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 it's worth mentioning here is uh, there is like a commercial product, Regimate, progesterone therapy. Uh, that people do use to help suppress the estrus-like behaviors, especially traveling, things like that. It's not nutritional, but I did want to mention that because for any uh, woman or any female listening to this podcast, I, I, I scream up and down in class at, at any clinics, anything I, when I was talking to to people about Regimate, please be ultra, ultra, ultra cautious handling Regimate. It is progesterone. It can be absorbed by your skin. And there are instances of young women having early menopause because they were handling Regimate without gloves or got on their skin or anything like that. So, um, you know, just be very careful with that, that product, but it is available out there that helps suppress uh, their heat and things like that. But from a nutritional thing, I think you've covered most of it. I mean, any other tips or tricks or anything else you advise uh, owners, I guess the take-home message on dealing with moody mares? Yeah, no, unfortunately, I, I don't have much for nutritional tips and tricks. Kind of to just follow up on your Regimate discussion, you know, there are some other synthetic progestins as well. Regimate's not the only one on the market. Some people even you know, have mares that this is not just normal heat behavior. They have things like ovarian cysts, tumors, um, you know, mares can be spayed. There's, there's some risk in that and some downsides, but these are all things that you can have discussions with, with your vet. If that mare's quality of life as a result of her reproductive cycle is very, it's just not good. There are things you can do. So I definitely encourage you to have a frank discussion with your vet about 
how things are going with your horse, your expectations, how her cycles are impacting them. You know, the final thing I'll say is to just reemphasize what I brought up in the beginning, that you do often see mares that have undesirable behaviors which are attributed to the fact that they're a mare. If they're not cyclical in nature, that may be some other underlying issue. So I always, always, you know, advocate for the horse, right? So let's think about it holistically. Let's make sure that we're ruling out other reasons that be could be causing behaviors that might look similar. I think that's the challenging thing with horses. They can't tell us exactly what's wrong. And there's only so many ways that they can express themselves. And sometimes that gets lost and just blamed on the fact that it is a mare. So always think about the big picture when you're troubleshooting these sorts of issues, whether it's a mare, a gelding, a stallion, a pony, etc. You brought up an amazing, yeah, I totally forgot about it. Like ovarian cysts and tumors, that definitely can contribute to really abnormal estrus behavior. Uh, painful can be very, very painful for the mare. Um, so that, and that can happen almost any time of year. It doesn't have to be during the breeding season. I mean, it's more common during the breeding season because the ovaries are active, but definitely that is a great thing. Always, you know, if, if really she's abnormal, this is really abnormal. Like we, we say in almost any podcast, we talk about health, always check with your veterinarian. Uh, they can do a quick scan, ultrasound, see what's going on in the ovaries, you know, make sure there's no tumors or, uh, no cystic over, you know, cystic follicles, uh, that they have to reduce. And funny, you did mention the, we did have an overectomized mare, uh, when I was at Texas A&M. And she actually was the best teaser we had of any mare. She didn't have ovaries, but. Because she was in heat constantly, right? Yeah, she just, oh, she was the best. I cried when we sold her off to go be a riding pony somewhere. I was like, she was the best mare. She could tease you know, the stallions at any time of day. She didn't have to be in season. She, she did her job well. She earned her feed, uh, but she was a great mare. Um, but anyways, a fun discussion. I, anytime we go to repro, I get really giddy because. Yeah, that's where a lot of my research was at. But great tips, Nicole. And for the listeners, again, if this stimulates any thoughts, ideas, questions, please share them with us. Instagram, Facebook. Uh, there's the always the the contact us link in the show notes. Uh, please keep those comments going. Thank you so much to those that have given us five star reviews on iTunes. That really helps us. The podcast is really growing to our international listeners. Hello, and thank you for listening. Uh, but just from Nicole and I, again, we do this because we want to make the horse's lives better, uh, your lives better. We just want to give a big thank you uh, for listening. Thanks so much, Chris.